You can have a seat. How do we know what church should be like? That's an important question because we are the church and how do we know about the nature of the church? What does it mean to be the church? Now, there's a lot of ways you could answer that question. Some people might say, well, the church is a little bit like a business, right? And the the customer should decide what the church should be like. We should be about pleasing the customers. Well, in some ways that sounds logical, but if you accept that, it might lead to a few problems. For instance, I spent about six and a half years in ministry in Florida, and you might have heard that a few people retire to that state, right? And they retire from places like Indiana and Ohio and Michigan and Illinois, and they move to Florida, and they look for a church. And what they want is a church that's just like the church they left in Indiana, Ohio, Michigan, and Illinois. And guess what? You get, I don't know, three, four, five hundred people together looking for the same church they had at home, and they're all looking for a different church. And because of that, no one is happy. And because of that, the preacher is never happy either, okay? And so it can be a little difficult. And the question is, is that really the way we decide what the church should be like? Well, the truth is, what we find in Scripture is a picture of the church. And really, it's a church that, that God desires for us. And we see that picture painted in lots of different places in the New Testament. We could look to Paul's letters, and we see that Paul was writing to churches and writing to church leaders and telling them this is what it means to be a community of faith. So that's a great place to start answering the question. Another place we could look is the book of Acts. And in the book of Acts, what we have is Luke describing the first days of the church, going back to the very beginning when the church was begun on the day of Pentecost, just weeks after Jesus was killed and then raised from the dead. And so this earliest church gives us a glimpse of what what the community of faith was really like at the very beginning. And it's a good place for us to go and get some marks of this is what it means to be the church. And so today, we begin a new series of lessons. It's going to last three weeks that I'm calling the Model Church. And we're going to look at that church in the first few chapters of the book of Acts. And I'm excited about this series because I love this book. I love the book of Acts and allowing it to speak to us. But It gives us some important responsibilities, though, because the book of Acts speaks to us across 20 centuries, and the world has changed a little bit since the first century in the Roman Empire, and we have this responsibility of taking what we see in the New Testament and then reinterpreting it, applying it to our culture. Like, the first century church didn't own buildings, okay? They didn't communicate with the internet, even the printing press. None of that was present. We have to figure out, okay, the world's changed. What does it mean for us to take this model that we find in the New Testament and apply it to our day, our time, and be the church that God wants us to be in the 21st century? Now, when I look back, at the church in the book of Acts, what I see is over and over again, one thing I know was super important in this life of the early church, and that was teaching. And it was the teaching of the apostles that was the key. We have people who had spent time with Jesus, 
Three years listening to Jesus' message, seeing all of those miracles, knowing that He died on the cross, and then witnessing the fact that He had been raised from the dead. They saw all of that, and the people listened to the stories that they told, and it transformed them. It changed their lives then, and it changed their eternity. Now, as we think about that, and okay, the teaching was important, what some of us have to admit is that sometimes... Not here, I'm sure, but some of us can remember a time when we were sitting in church and it was a little boring, right? In fact, you were just sitting there thinking, man, I hope it's over soon because I'm not getting anything out of this. I can remember as a kid going through that, like when we were done with nursery, we were in church from then on out and, and just listening to sermons and thinking, first of all, I'm... I'm trying to stay awake, but that's really hard, first of all. And second, I don't even know what this guy's talking about, right? He, I had a preacher that was always talking about doctrine, doctrine this and doctrine that, and I didn't know what doctors had to do with the church, but I certainly didn't know what he was talking about, okay? Now again, I'm sure you haven't experienced that here, but the issue is we have to figure out how does the teaching of the apostles how does that affect us today? And how do we do that in ways that engage people, help us understand what it means to be the church, and how we live this life of following Jesus in a world that sometimes is not friendly with that? So what does that mean for us? Today I want us to jump in and try to make the case for what this means for the church today. And to do that, I want us to turn to Acts chapter 6. Great passage we have this story in the early life of, a church, of the church where they really have a big problem that they've got to deal with. And I need to set this up a little bit and tell you what the problem was. And it goes back to the fact that the church, this, this early Christianity, really grew out of Judaism. It was a movement from the Jews. Like Jesus is a Jew, right? And the 12 apostles, all Jews. The earliest followers of Jesus, all Jews. The day of Pentecost, the people that are gathered there, almost completely Jews. And so it grows out of this. And one of the things that they had going on in Judaism in the first century was a big division. And the division was in two big groups. The first group Okay, we can call this group the, the people from around here, right? They are from ancient Palestine, what had been the nation of Israel. The church begins in Jerusalem, which was the, the capital area. And so these people are all from that area. They speak the same language, Aramaic, sort of similar to Hebrew, the language of the Old Testament. They do all their business in Aramaic. They speak to one, or, one another in Aramaic. Okay, you got those people, the from around pe here people. Then you got the not from around here here people because Jews had scattered all over the Roman Empire because of persecution because travel was so much easier for the first time in the Roman Empire than it ever had been in the history of the world because they were looking for a better life in some ways so they scatter throughout the Roman Empire and the language that they learned to speak from when they were kids on up was Greek and so you've got a big group of Jews in the ancient city of Alexandria in Egypt. You've got Jews in Damascus in Syria. You've got Jews in, in Ephesus in what we would call Greece. You, you've got Jews in Rome even. And they all have developed sort of a little bit different culture, not as much based on Jewish culture, but, but they are still Jews, still follow the Old Testament, but they speak Greek. But here's the thing. These Jews believe it is a real privilege 
And it is a blessing to be buried in their land, in Israel, in what was then known as Palestine. So you've got these older Jewish couples who move back. They retire not to Florida. They retire to Palestine and live out their days to be buried in Palestine. Okay, that creates a problem because you have one of them die, oftentimes the man first, and that leaves a widow. And widows had a hard time in the ancient world. They couldn't work, couldn't provide for themselves. They were dependent on the charity of others. And that charity was organized around their synagogues in ancient Israel. Okay? That's where they gathered for worship and teaching. And they took care of one another. It's a great model. The synagogues, just like the rest of the culture for the Jews, was divided among those who spoke Aramaic, those from around here, those who spoke Greek, not from around here. Not as many Greek-speaking synagogues. It was oftentimes difficult to provide for all these widows because they provided in the synagogue. Now, that spills over to a lot of these people become Christians, Jewish Christians. Some from around here, Aramaic-speaking. Some not from around here, Greek-speaking. Still have, have widows to provide for. And what seems to happen in the early church is this is not surprising. A classic sort of us against them. The people who were from around here got food from the other Christians. They took care of them. The ones not from around here were missing out. And so the Greek-speaking Christians who became Jews come to the apostles, the leaders of the church, and say, listen, this is not right. These widows from among us are not be, being taken care of. We've got to provide for them too. And here's the response of the apostles. Acts chapter 6, verse 2. So the twelve, the apostles, gathered all the disciples together. So you got lots of people together, all Jewish Christians. And they said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to wait on tables. And our first reaction is, well... They think they're really something, right? They are too important to lower themselves to the point that they're going to carry cans of food out to these widows so they got something to eat for lunch. But even though it seems that way at first glance, and what we find out is that's not exactly what's going on. What the apostles are saying is, listen, the teaching of the word, what they call the ministry of the word, is so important that we cannot neglect it. You see, they had a specific calling on their lives. They had been with Jesus, as we said, saw it all, heard it all, saw Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, all of that. They had all of this in their hearts, in their minds, and they had been called by Jesus to preach and to teach this message. And it was this message, the stories of Jesus, the power of forgiveness and eternal life that was changing lives in the early church, that was changing eternity in the early church and forming the church, forming this community of faith. And they knew this was so important that they could not neglect it. Now, what they also knew was that this ministry needed to be done. And so these widows that were being ignored, that was wrong. 
And so they have a plan. Verse 3. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. Some people you trust, okay? We will turn this responsibility, this food distribution responsibility, over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer, and here's that phrase again, to the ministry of the Word. Now, this passage is often used as a classic lesson for delegation. And it's pretty good about that, right? Because see, what we see here is they're sort of the leaders of the church. They recognize, hey, you know what? We can't do everything. There is no way that we can distribute all this food, do all the teaching we should, devote ourselves to prayer as leaders. There's no way we can do it. We've got to share this responsibility. And so the group that comes and says we've got a problem, they say, we get it. It is a problem. We need to take care of these women. Choose seven people. We're going to put them in charge. We're going to empower them. We're going to give them the responsibility and everything they need to make sure that these people are taken care of. That's great delegation. And that's excellent lesson for another day. But what I want us to notice today is what they recognized for themselves was that they had been called to the ministry of the Word. And they had a responsibility to the one who had called them, Jesus, and they had a responsibility to the church, the community of faith, to fulfill that call to preach and teach. Because what they recognized was, unless they did what they were supposed to do, share the message of Jesus, the church would not be the church. Now, it might be a great community service organization, they might be excellent at handing out food to people in need, which is a good calling. But it's not the church. Now, should the church be involved in feeding people? Absolutely. But without the word of God being taught, without the, the story of Jesus being told, the church cannot be the church. And so they understood they had this responsibility to preach so that people would be drawn to Jesus, so that their lives would be changed. And they had the responsibility to teach, to help people grow in their faith. And if they didn't do it, then the church was going to miss out. They had been uniquely called and they had unique experiences that allowed them to do this like no one else could. And so... They knew they had to fulfill this responsibility. And it leads us to this basic lesson that I think is important for us today. Teaching forms the foundation. Teaching forms the foundation. Now, if we think back, okay, here we are. We want to think about the marks of what it means to be the church. How do we decide what, what it means to be church? Well, we look to places like the book of Acts. And what we see is in the early church, the apostles recognized that teaching forms the foundation. Okay, that's the, the ancient truth. That's from this model church. What does that mean for 21st century church? What does that mean for Taylorville Christian Church? What are we supposed to do that with that? If teaching formed the foundation for them, teaching forms the foundation for us. So where are we going to get the apostles' teaching? Well, none of those apostles are alive. They are long dead. But what we're blessed with is God's Word. Many of the New Testament books go back to the apostles. 
We see Matthew and John, these two gospel writers who were with Jesus. They were apostles. And we see the the letters of Paul and, and the letters of Peter, the letters of John, all from apostles. And what we also find is that that the other books that we have in the New Testament are based on the teaching of the apostles as well. So if we want that same teaching today from the people who saw it, witnessed it, told it, wrote it down, we've got the New Testament. And so today we have the same responsibility to allow teaching to form the foundation of the church. And so we have the same issue We could just be an awesome community service organization where people came together to help others. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. But the church is more than that. Just like the first century, in the 21st century, should the church be involved in making sure the hungry get fed? Yeah, absolutely. And we have people in our church that do that. But without the Word of God... We're not the church. Without the Word of God, lives are not changed in the same way. Without the Word of God, eternity is not changed in the same way. And so we have a responsibility in the 21st century to make sure that teaching forms our foundation as a church and our foundation as individual Christians. And so we as a church devote significant resources to the teaching ministry of the church. Think about the time that our staff puts in. Someone is spending a lot of time each week, not just me, sometimes it's Zach, sometimes others, is preparing a message for this time that we come together because we believe this really does matter. And we want to engage you in what life is really like. Not just to spout off and say this is what you should believe, but but to say this is how This word affects the way that we all live. How it challenges us to be different people than we would be otherwise. We spend a lot of time preparing lessons for our students in student ministry for Sunday night. We've got about our kids being taught in various rooms in this building right now. And there are people that prepare for that during the week as well. We spend significant financial resources on curriculum. Because we believe it matters what we teach our kids, and how we teach them. We want to teach them the truths of Scripture. What matters is this is what the Word of God says, but it also matters how we teach it because we want them to be engaged in God's Word together and then as individuals. And so we spend money on curriculum that does that really well. It's part of what the ministry of Vision Way Christian School is all about. That's part of why we have the school. So we can invest in our students, not just on Sundays, but throughout the week. They have Bible every day. They have chapel each week so that they can hear the Word of God and allow this teaching to form their foundation. It matters in our church. And so it should matter to each one of us. And so it's important for us to be here. Now, I'm I'm talking to you. You're already here, right? You got the memo. You're here this morning for this teaching. But it goes further than that. We've formed our life groups so that we have time to discuss this stuff. And so each week, this afternoon, tonight, throughout this week, there will be groups that come together and they'll talk about what we talked about this morning. 
And if you're not in a life group, we want to get you in a life group. So let me know about that. We'll have an opportunity in just a few weeks to, to jump in life groups again. And then you need that time with other people, not just this one person talking, but to actually discuss how the Word of God affects you. So we need that, but we also need, well, we have a personal responsibility to jump into this ourselves. Teaching can take place from one person to another, but but we have so many resources available to us today that if we look back, most Christians in history have not had. If we look back to the first century, first of all, the New Testament was being written during that time, so they didn't have that. Their Bible was the Old Testament. But they didn't even have that personally. They had to go to church before that, to synagogue, to hear the Word of God read. We can go to Walmart today and buy a Bible. For cheap, you could steal one from the pew in front of you and nobody would say a word, okay? <laughs> if you don't have a Bible, take one. I'll be glad for you to have it. You got it on your phone, tablet, computer. It's just waiting on you to read. And the Word of God can teach you personally. And I want it to. There's all kinds of books that are available that can teach you as well. Christian books and Bible studies that are out there. Matter of fact, we've got a page on our website and it's find a book, okay? And the books that are listed there have meant something to those of us who are on staff. Somebody on staff has read that book and said, you know what, that really made a difference in me knowing who Jesus is and knowing what it means to be a follower of Jesus. You could order one of those books. I've listed there some websites too. Some of those websites are just, here's the Bible, okay, in various translations. Some of them have great Bible study tools to help you take the next step in that. Look on those pages on our website and use those resources. They will teach you. And teaching for us as a church and for us as individuals, and that is a mark of what it means to be God's people. And it forms us into God's people. So here's the thing. We've got a choice to make. We think about how do we know what it means to be the church. We look back to the New Testament and over and over in the book of Acts, and we certainly see that in Paul's writings as well, is part of what it means to be the church is to devote ourselves to the teaching that we find in Scripture. So let me encourage you. And if you're looking for a foundation in your life, God has given that to you in his word. Pursue it in this room. Pursue it in our life groups. Pursue it for your kids and in our youth group and in our kids' ministry. Pursue it personally in God's word and other great teaching that is just available at your fingertips. And allow God to be at work in that to make us all into individual Christians who love Jesus, but also into a church that is a community of faith that makes a difference in this community. Let's pray. God, we're thankful for the word that you've given us. Thankful that over and over again, you help us see the people that we're called to be through the word that you've given us. And God, we pray all that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to worship for a few more minutes.